My name is Russell Perkins. I'm a consultant in paediatric anaesthesia at the Royal Manchester Children's Hospital uh, and an elected college council member. Next year for anaesthesia 2021, I am the clinical content lead. Next year's meeting will be held at um, the Theatre of Dreams, Manchester United football team here in Manchester. Uh, and I'm delighted this afternoon to introduce uh, a colleague who is going to be speaking at the meeting. So good afternoon, Brenda McGrath. Uh, I'd like to start off by congratulating you on your recent success. Your team has won the Anesthesia and Perioperative Medicine BMJ Award. Uh, and also in the last month, you've won Improvement Project Award for the Intensive Care Society. So congratulations on both of those, Brendan. I know that they reflect the excellent work that you've been doing uh, with tracheostomy care. Uh, so I'd like to ask you a couple of questions in advance of your talk improving tracheostomy care for patients at next year's meeting. So Brendan, um, welcome and thank you for your time this afternoon. Can I just ask you to introduce yourself? Yep, so I work at uh, Manchester University NHS Foundation Trust, uh, pretty much half and half split between anaesthesia and intensive care, but that's on paper. I seem to spend about half of my time at the moment running various quality improvement and research projects, predominantly around airway care with a focus on tracheostomy care. Thanks. Okay. Brendan, can I ask you, um, why did you become involved or how did you become involved with tracheostomy care? So I trained as a medic, first of all, and then sidestepped into anaesthesia. And my first encounter with a, uh, a tracheostomy that I had to deal with myself was, was on an intensive care unit one day. And I got called very rapidly to a situation where it was very clear that the staff didn't really know what was going on or didn't know what to do. I wasn't sure what to do. Um, I called for some help and the help wasn't really clear what to do. And we managed the situation in the end, but then I remember looking around the ICU and thinking there's three more people here with tracheostomies. Problem with uh, with their tracheostomy, well, what would I do? And I realised that no one had ever actually talked to me or explained to me what a tracheostomy really was and why people had them and, and how to look out for them. And from talking to my colleagues, it was pretty clear that it wasn't just me. This was a, a problem in our region and then quite quickly became clear it was a problem beyond our region. And so we, we started off trying to find resources to help us, trying to find some guidance for what to do in emergency, and, and there basically wasn't any. So we, we scooped together the bits that we could find. Uh, I, again, the, the more digging we did, the, the more quickly it became clear that it was very much a team game across nursing, allied health professions, across head and neck services, and then anaesthesia and intensive care at, at, at the centre of it, really, because we were the people on site called to manage emergencies. So my first involvement really was to try and sort out um, the emergency response to a tracheostomy emergency and, and, and that became a bit of a mission towards the end of my uh, registrar training. Okay, so um, I understand you're involved with the National Tracheostomy Safety Project. How did that come about? Well that became about because we, we needed a platform really to, to to put all this stuff together but we had some resources that we started to make but as I say it became very clear that we needed to try and put everything un, un, under an umbrella and 
we developed some education resources that, that supported the uh, tracheostomy emergency algorithms that, that we were starting to, to, to work on. They were published in about 2012 and, and, and the, the NTSP uh, became a charity around that sort of time because we, we, we wanted to have a, a sort of slightly formal group of us that, that we could say, right, this is the project, this is what we're going to do and, and, and this is how we're going to roll these resources in. And then we, we started to develop a, a plan through the NTSP to try and really understand what was happening by analysing critical incidents and then by um, putting that sort of intelligence and, and, and the work we'd done into the algorithms and then work out what educational gaps we had and, and then start to task people, other groups with, with we're trying to fill some of those gaps. So that the, the project sort of grew and grew from that initial head-scratching moment of uh, thinking, right, we need to really sort this out. Okay, so Brendan, why, um, why is your project so um, closely involved with anaesthesia? Well, I think anaesthetists as airway experts uh, have to take some ownership of, of, of airway management and, and, and clearly a tracheostomy is another airway. It's often a a complex airway or sometimes it's the easy airway in a complex patient um, but I think anaesthetists we, we find ourselves on cardiac arrest teams we, we work in intensive care units we're the people who get called often to sort these problems out and I think that the way we developed the the safety project was was to try and sort out the systems the structure the responses that the people who would be there at a tracheostomy emergency, it's pretty clear that anaesthetists were, were the people who were always there. But if you look at who's performing tracheostomies, about 70% of tracheostomies in this country and, and, and North America and Australasia are done by anaesthetists or intensive care specialists in critically ill patients rather than head and neck surgeons for people having head and neck surgery operations. And so anaesthesia intensive care are the people, if you like, creating a lot of the uh, potential problems with tracheostomy patients and I felt very strongly that we needed to take some responsibility and some ownership of, of, of some of these areas and whilst historically it was head and neck surgeons who, who led on tracheostomy care uh, it was clear to me that we needed somebody some group uh, to put the hand up and, and, and show some leadership in, in trying to sort out this cross-party problem if you like and, and, and with close collaboration with the head and neck surgical groups and everyone else involved in, in tracheostomy care. The Royal College anaesthetists um, stepped up and said we're going to sort this out and, and uh, made it very clear that the anaesthesia would play a central role in, 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 in leading some of these quality improvement initiatives, which included work with the um, Academy of Colleges and, and, and obviously the other stakeholder colleges and groups across nursing, allied healthcare and, and, and the surgical specialities. Thank you. Um Brendan, one last question. I, I've, I've heard you talk and, and, and seen you talk um, in the past, and I know that you involve patients and parents in a lot of the work that you do. So how does your work involve the patients and the parents? Well, the more work we did with tracheostomies, the, the, the more patients got involved. And it became very clear to, to me quite early on that whilst we might be patting ourselves on the back saying, great, we've sorted out the emergency response to a tracky disaster. Patients weren't that interested in that. Patients come to hospital expecting safe care. They expect if they're admitted to a ward with a tracheostomy that, that the people on that ward will know how to look after it. 
And we know it's a huge amount of effort to make sure that our hospitals and sites and wards and units are staffed, equipped and trained to, to, to safely manage these patients. But for the patient perspective, um, they couldn't care less. They assumed safe care. And what the patients wanted was they wanted knowledgeable staff who knew what they were doing. They wanted to talk. They wanted to eat and drink and they wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. And so the focus of our work over the last four or five years has been on building on those foundations of, of, of training, education and delivering safe care to delivering high quality care. And that's been led by patients. So very much by the patient, for the patient. Patients told us what they wanted and we've gone away and developed resources and projects with patient partners to make sure we're delivering the sort of care that patients want. And that the recent project has seen us focus on uh, eating, drinking, talking and getting out of intensive care units and hospitals more quickly than before. And, and that's what we've been able to achieve. Thank you, um, Brendan, for your um, answering a couple of those questions for us this afternoon. I think it's clear that um, your talk next year at the Anesthesia 2021 is going to be very interesting to all of us who are involved in um, anesthesia. Some of our colleagues who are involved in intensive care, uh, but all of us, as you say, who are involved in looking after patients with tracheostomies. I think you've really brought to light, and your talk I'm sure next year will enhance on all of that, the reasons why anaesthesia is central to your project for improving tracheostomy care for patients. It's a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to the meeting. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this RCOA podcast. You can book your place to hear the full talk at Anesthesia 2021, which is taking place on the 18th to the 20th of May, by visiting rcoa.ac.uk forward slash anesthesia. If you'd like to access more podcasts, videos, e-learning, webinars, as well as our full programme of events and courses, you can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.